read the Holy Scriptures together tonight in 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17. The text for our sermon will be verses 2 through 7 of the chapter. But let's read the whole chapter together. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is, before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did, according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, 
O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times, and cried unto the Lord, and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house, and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. We read God's word that far. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the New Testament, the great prophet Elijah was a man who was subject to like passions as we are. And yet he was a man of fervent prayer. We read in James 5, verses 16 through 18, that Elijah prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. A man of like passions as we are, and yet a man of fervent prayer. Are we men and women of fervent prayer? Do we believe that prayer is effectual, that prayer is powerful? Not because there is any power in us, not because of the strength of our faith, but because of the almighty power of the God to whom we pray, who is the one true and living God, and there is none else. In this prayer day sermon, may God grant that we will be encouraged to have faith like Elijah, and that having such childlike faith, we will be men and women of fervent prayer as we head into the spring seed time season, and we reflect on our dependence on God, that day in and day out in this coming year, we will be men and women of prayer committing our way to the Lord, trusting in him to supply all our needs. Elijah lived in the spiritually dark days of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. You remember those names because through their leadership, the northern kingdom of Israel plunged into its deepest apostasy to that point. In the days of Ahab and Jezebel, the children of Israel and the northern kingdom were not content merely to worship those golden calves that Jeroboam had set up in Bethel and Dan, but now they were worshiping another god entirely, Baal and his female counterpart, Ashtaroth. 
Because of this widespread apostasy and idolatry, Elijah came to Ahab and said the words of verse 1 of the chapter, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Elijah was announcing to Ahab the judgment of God that was coming upon Israel for her sins. God was about to chasten his people who were going astray and to punish the evildoers in the land by means of withholding the rain and making a desolate, barren wasteland in which no crops could grow. But in those days of famine that God was about to send, God would preserve and protect his faithful servant Elijah by the brook Cherith and later in the house of the widow of Zarephath. We too live in days of widespread apostasy. We look around us and we see the very same things that in the Christian world people are not only content to worship God in the ways that they want to, but They go so far astray from God that they're worshiping idol gods. We see in these days that both literally and physically, God sends judgments of famine and pestilence upon the earth to chasten his people and to punish evildoers. But even in these times, God will preserve and protect us by the brook Cherith, as he did Elijah. God reveals the story of our text to us in the scriptures in order to assure us that he will provide all that we need, even in the darkest of times, which shows that he is the one true and living God, unlike all of the vain idols of men who cannot provide. And the purpose is so that we will grow in our faith and learn more and more to depend upon him consciously and to bring our needs to him through prayer. Let's consider God's tender care of Elijah at Cherith. First of all, God's leading him to that quiet and solitary place. Secondly, God's providing for him in that place. And finally, God's removing him from Israel. Immediately after Elijah brought that word of impending judgment to Ahab, we read in verse 2 of the chapter, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. God spoke to Elijah by direct revelation and revealed to him his will as to where Elijah must go. God told Elijah that you must depart from the presence of Ahab and Jezebel. You must depart from his court. You must go out of the society of the Israelites for a time. And you must head eastward. You must go across the Jordan River. You must sit down in a lonely and solitary and quiet place by a stream of water that flows into the Jordan River a place known as the Brook Cherith. 
Now, God does not speak to us today anymore by direct revelation. God reveals his will to us through the scriptures. But at the same time, God is constantly guiding us by his providence. He guides us from one place to another in our lives, from one situation to another, from one experience to another, from one set of circumstances to another. So that we can say that just like Elijah, God guides us. And he guides us also into certain seasons and periods of our life. God's leading of Elijah to the brook Cherith points to God's leading of us in our lives as well. Has God led you to the brook Cherith? God does that when he brings us into a time or a season of our life in which we feel in a very profound way, perhaps like never before, our need for God, our utter dependence upon God for all things, and the priority of our relationship to God above all other relationships and above all other things. God leads us to the brook Cherith when he brings us into a time of our life when we feel lonely, when we feel alone, a solitary place, a slower period of our life. Perhaps that is in a single life, when we feel alone and lonely by the brook. Or it could be that God has taken away our husband or wife and we are bereaved of our loved ones as a widow or a widower and we are sitting by the brook Cherith. Or it could be that the Lord has brought us into a time when we feel estranged from certain loved ones for one reason or another, our children or our parents or other loved ones, so that we feel lonely. We feel like Elijah sitting by the brook, Cherith. It's a quiet and solitary place, the brook Cherith is. It's a place where there is no food. It's a place where there is There are no other people. There is no company there. It's a lonely place. And it's a place where we feel our need for God, our dependence on him. It could be a time in our life when we're struggling financially. We feel in a very acute way how much we need God to supply us with our needs. Perhaps we feel stuck in a rut. We feel like we're standing still in our life. We don't feel like we're making progress. We don't feel like we're getting anywhere. We don't feel fruitful and profitable. We feel like we're just sitting there by the brook Cherith, alone. But God also leads us to the brook Cherith in times just like Elijah's, when all around us, Thousands and thousands of people forsake the Lord. They're forsaking his truth. They're forsaking his commandments. They're forsaking his church and leaving that church and going into the temple of the idols and ideologies of the modern world, bowing down to those idols, worshiping in those temples, times of faithlessness and unbelief and apostasy. God leads us to the brook Cherith then, because we feel very alone in the world. We feel that we as a church are pressed to the fringes of society. That's God leading us to the brook Cherith 
a place of spiritual solitude. God brings us there. He leads us there on purpose so that when we feel that loneliness and that solitude in our hearts, we cling all the more to him and we taste and appreciate the priority of our relationship to God above all other relationships and all other things. He leads us to the brook, the quiet stream, so that we will find comfort in the secret place of the Most High, and we will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. God brought Elijah to the brook Cherith because he was preparing him for future labors. This is at the beginning of the story of Elijah. All of the other stories of his life follow after this one. Elijah comes before Ahab and announces to the king himself the coming judgment of God, and then God sends him into solitude by the brook to be alone for a time. God was preparing him. God was bringing him to school. God was training him spiritually for the battles and the trials and the labors that were to come. And God is always doing that with us too. And when he brings us to that quiet, solitary place and time of our life, he's preparing us for future things. Notice at least four ways in which God was preparing Elijah by the brook. In the first place, God was sending Elijah there to teach him in the school of faith. Elijah was a believer. He had faith. But God brought him to the quiet brook in order to teach him and train him and strengthen him in his faith. God was saying to Elijah, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, Elijah, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy paths. You might not understand why I'm sending you here to this quiet, solitary, barren wasteland. But I have a good reason for it. Trust me. You might not understand how I'm going to provide for you here in this place where there doesn't appear to be any food. Trust in me with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge me in all your ways. And I will direct your paths. Trust me, Elijah. And so also God teaches us to trust in him. In the second place, God was leading Elijah there to that place to teach him in the school of humility. God was saying to Elijah, as it were, by sending him into the wild where nobody would see him and nobody would seem to need him, humble yourself, Elijah, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Elijah must have thought that his place was there in Samaria, there in the court of Ahab, there in the land and the cities and the towns. He must have thought, I need to go about on a preaching tour. I need to warn the people of the coming judgment. I need to call them to repentance. But God says, no, Go to the brook Cherith and sit there all by yourself by the quiet stream. 
Humble yourself, Elijah. In your mind, the best place for you might be in the spotlight. You might feel that you are needed, that you are a vital part of my plan and my work here, but Elijah, humble yourself. I don't need you. I'm pleased to use you, and I will use you, but I don't need you. Humble yourself, dear Elijah, that God may exalt you in due time. Cast your cares upon him. He careth for you. In the third place, God sent Elijah to that place to teach him in the school of patience. God was saying to Elijah, Psalm 27, verse 14, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Be patient, Elijah. You probably don't want to sit here by the brook day after day and week after week and month after month for you do not know how long. We don't like that either. We don't like to be brought into these periods of our life, these seasons of loneliness and solitude and struggle, estrangement, widowhood. We don't know how long it will last. But God says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He will strengthen thy heart. You don't need to know how long it will last. God is with you. God will take care of you. He knows best. He knows exactly how long this season of your life will, will be. And it is perfectly good according to his plan. Be patient. Fourth, God sends Elijah to the brook Cherith to teach him in the school of contentment. And so does he with us as well. He's teaching Elijah there by the brook all by himself to confess, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He bringeth me into the green pastures. He restoreth my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. God was saying to Elijah there by the brook, Be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Sometimes we get into our heads that we need to have a certain standard of living, and we need to maintain that. We expect that. We feel entitled to that. We expect certain luxuries. We expect a certain amount of food and drink, certain pleasures and certain amusements in our life. But sometimes God takes us, he interrupts our life, and he sets us down by the brook Cherith. And he says, now learn to be content. You don't need all of those things. Learn to be content. Learn to be thankful with such things as you have. Those and probably others were things that the Lord was teaching him by the brook. But when God sent Elijah there, he gave him an incredible promise. He said, verse 4, And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Now the first part of that promise was, we might say, reasonable to Elijah, and would not have struck him as all that strange, because after all, What are brooks for but for us to drink and get a refreshing drink of water? 
But the second part of that promise was very strange indeed to Elijah's ears. And I will command the ravens to feed thee there. That was strange to Elijah, first of all, because God himself had told him in the law that ravens were unclean birds. Leviticus 11, verse 15, God taught his people that the raven, among other birds, was to be held as an abomination, and they were not to eat it. So the idea that ravens would be the ones to bring him his food each day must have seemed strange to Elijah. And in the second place, ravens, even to this day, are known as being greedy birds. In Job 38, verse 41, it indicates that ravens neglect even to feed their own young. They're so greedy to eat up every bit of food and meat that they may find that they don't even faithfully feed their own baby chicks. Elijah must have thought, ravens? Ravens would be much more likely to steal any bit of food that I might have than to bring me any food. But that was the promise of the Lord. Go to the brook, and I will give you to drink from the water, and I will send the ravens, and they will feed you. And Elijah obeyed God through faith. Verse 5, So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. As we saw in the introduction, Elijah was a man of like passions, just like we are. He was a man like you. He was a man like me. A man of mind and intellect. A man who could observe the world around him and had never seen ravens feed him before. And yet, he was a man of faith. God had given him a true and living faith. And he trusted in God. He believed the promise of God. And trusting in that promise, he went and dwelt by the brook. God reveals to us through this account that he will provide for us too. He reveals that he is a faithful God and Father who tenderly cares for all of his children in all of our needs, and he will never leave us or forsake us, but will always provide for our needs. We read in verse 6, And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. That simple sentence displays before our eyes the faithfulness of God, the provision of God for his children, even in the darkest times of history, in the times of greatest apostasy and idolatry, all around when thousands are forsaking him, God will provide for us his people. In the first place, God fulfilled his promise and provided Elijah with refreshing water to drink from that quiet brook Cherith day by day. That's what we might call an act of his ordinary providence. As the psalmist 
sings in Psalm 104, He sendeth the springs into the valleys which run among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. We often forget about the fact that every single time it rains, God is the one who sends that rain. The water that flows in the brook doesn't just flow there automatically of its own accord, but God causes it to flow. God was providing that brook, that water, that refreshing stream for Elijah to drink day after day. But that was a kind of his ordinary providence. That's the way God regularly governs the universe. But God also provided for Elijah in a very extraordinary way. Just as he promised, he commanded the ravens, and the ravens obeyed him. Every morning and every evening that Elijah sat by that brook, and we don't know how many days that was, how many weeks, months, or even years. It seems like it was quite some time, probably years. Every morning and every evening, a miracle took place. And the ravens flew into that area where Elijah was. And they came down next to him and carrying in their claws and in their beaks pieces, morsels of bread and cooked meat somehow. And they brought it to Elijah and dropped it at his feet or dropped it in his hands. And Elijah received from the ravens, from heaven, bread and meat, bread and meat every morning and every night. What a wonder. What a tremendous miracle and Elijah recognized it as a miracle, too. He was a man just like you and me. He was astounded to see these birds, these unclean, greedy ravens, dropping food for him to eat every day. When Elijah received that bread and meat from the claws of the ravens, he was consciously receiving it from God himself. Elijah knew very well every single time that it was not the ravens who brought him that food. Ravens would never do that of their own accord. He knew that. And yet, those ravens came faithfully every morning and every night and gave him his food. He was receiving it from the hand of God himself, and he knew that. This was how God was teaching him faith. Humility, patience, contentment. Every day, faith, humility, patience, contentment. And Elijah was growing spiritually as he saw with his own eyes and tasted with his own mouth the faithfulness of God to provide all that he needed. Elijah wasn't wealthy there by the brook. He wasn't living in an opulent palace. He wasn't enjoying all kinds of pleasures and amusements, but he had sufficient food every day and every night. He was learning, having food and clothing to be content and to rejoice in God's provision. This story is not recorded in Scripture only for Elijah's sake, but it's recorded for our sake. The point of this scripture passage is that God is faithful to provide us, too, with all of our needs. 
God will provide you with your needs. Whatever your specific needs are. And it's different for every one of us. We have the same needs in some ways. We all need food and drink, clothing and shelter. But each of us is different as well. Your brook Cherith looks different from my brook Cherith. Your place of solitude, your place of quiet, your place of struggle is different from mine. But each of us will be supplied with all our needs from our Heavenly Father. He will supply us with all of our earthly needs. We can be confident of that. He proves it to us here in the Scriptures that He is a good, a God, a faithful God and Father, just as we confess in Lord's Day 9 of the Catechism, that I can so rely upon Him that He will provide me with all things necessary for the body and the soul as my faithful God and as the Almighty God. God has already supplied us with all that we need for the soul in the Lord Jesus Christ. God has already provided us with the spiritual realities that are symbolized by the water of that brook and the bread from those ravens. The water in that brook Cherith was a symbol pointing to Jesus Christ who calls himself the living water and who said to the Samaritan woman that anyone who drinks of this water will never thirst again. But there's a crucial difference between Jesus Christ and that brook. That brook, we are told, dried up, verse 7, after a while because there was no rain in the land. But the stream of living water that flows from Jesus Christ never dries up. It is a never-ending, a boundless stream of living water that flows to us. And those who believe in Jesus Christ, drinking that living water, will never thirst. Jesus is the living bread who came down from heaven. Just as the ravens came down from heaven with the bread and gave it to Elijah, Jesus Christ is the living bread the true bread from heaven. And those who believe in Christ, eating that living bread, will never hunger, but will be nourished and fed unto everlasting life. God has provided us all that we need in Jesus because Jesus himself went to his own brook Cherith at the cross. We all have our crosses to carry. We all have our brook Cherith's where we have to sit down and struggle. But the greatest was the cross. That was where our Lord Jesus Christ sat down. That was the loneliest place in all of the universe throughout all time and eternity because unlike Elijah, our Lord Jesus was forsaken by God. He was forsaken by his Father. And he suffered the everlasting and eternal loneliness of hell because he bore all of our sins. He suffered on the cross at Cherith for you and for me. And he arose from the dead. And now God in Christ promises us, I will provide you with all that you need for your soul as well as your body. I will take care of you. I will be with you. I will supply you with the grace to pass through every trial, every struggle, every difficulty. 
I will lavish upon you the bread and the water that will give you everlasting life. I will strengthen your faith. I will give you the gift of humility and patience and contentment. And I will preserve you even when the whole world falls away and forsakes me. When thousands turn to Baal and Ashtaroth, I will be with you and will never leave you or forsake you, even in your loneliest moments at Cherith. So let us be fervent in prayer. We can pray to God in that confidence that he will hear us and provide May our most fervent prayer of all be that God will not do to us what he did to Israel as a punishment. We have to see one more thing from the text. God sent Elijah to Cherith because he was removing his word from the land. When Elijah came to Ahab and told him there will be no rain and there will be no dew until I say so, That was the beginning of a grievous earthly famine that lasted for three and a half years. Devastated the land. But it was a picture pointing to a spiritual famine. A famine of the word of God. Another prophet, Amos, would later say this in chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. God sent Elijah to Cherith. He was removing his prophet. He was removing his word from the land. That was a very serious Famine, the most serious famine of all. Let that be our most fervent prayer. On prayer day, we call attention to the seed time, the spring season that's coming, when the farmer goes out and sows the seed and plants the crops. We come before God in his house to hear again of our dependence on God, our need for God to bless the season. As we think about that coming season of farming, sowing, harvesting, and for those of us who are not farmers, as we go to work, as we have our income, as we think about our desire to succeed and to prosper in our careers, let us remember what is most important that we have the refreshing rain of the word of God. That we do not have God giving us a famine of the word so that we no longer hear from God of his faithfulness and care, of his grace and love in Jesus Christ. Let us remember what is most important of all, what is most precious. This relationship with God that we have through Christ Jesus that is proclaimed to us week after week in the gospel. That's the provision that we need most of all 
Sunday after Sunday, to hear the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let that be our most fervent prayer in these days, in which there is indeed a famine of the word all around us, and people are in a barren wasteland, no longer hearing the pure gospel. Pray. Pray for your pastor. Pray for the pastors of other churches. Pray that we will have and continue to have the pure preaching of the gospel, that our souls may eat and drink, that our hunger and our thirst may be met. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, we give thanks to thee for thy goodness and faithfulness, not only to supply us with all of our earthly needs, which thou hast abundantly done, and we know that thou wilt do, but also our spiritual needs. We pray, continue, O Lord, to supply us with all that we need for the body and the soul, that we may come to learn, to trust in thee, to be patient, to be content, and to be humble as we sit by the brook Cherith and in all of our trials. Hear us, O Lord,